Let's have our ears open to what God wants to speak to us through Pastor Adam this morning. Amen? Amen. Pastor Adam, I'm one of the pastors here. I hope you already have your devices out. If you're on the sermon notes, one of the top buttons there, it says, click to participate on the poll. Okay, I want you to take that poll. It's just one question, and we're going to see the results right now <clears throat> in just a second. You can actually put up, leave that up for a second so people can scan that, but in just a minute, we'll put the results up. Have you ever noticed that some people just are different? Like, maybe you live with somebody that's a little different. Maybe you work with people that are a little different. But, but like, there's cultural differences. I mean, there's some houses, from household to household, there are some houses represented here that actually like cats. <laughs> we just see things differently. Or, it, I remember one time, um, I was, I actually had the privilege of having a meal. I had lunch with... Um, with Pastor Ahyang and his wife from Indonesia. And when we were having lunch, I just started doing what, what I do at a lunch meeting. I started asking questions, I started talking. And when I asked a question, I was just looking at the top of his head. And I was like, what is happening? And Chet leaned over, Chet was there, and he says, Indonesians don't talk when they eat, they just eat. And, and here's Pastor Ahyang, he's like, like, why are you interrupting my, my lunch? I don't know. I thought I was talking with you. And it's, it's not right or wrong. It was just, that's how Indonesians do it. If you're going to be an Indonesian, that's how it goes. So, so the question today that I have for some of us, it's a very spiritual question, what do you call a carbonated beverage? Can we put the results up? Let's just see. I want to see. People all around are, are participating in this poll. People online have already been participating in this Whoa, okay, we're getting some results in. So 4.1% calls it a soft drink. Soda, that's, uh, that's about what I expected. It's about 18%. It's changing live. Yeah, some of you just now realized, oh, he was for real, and now you're like getting on it. Okay, that's fine, it's moving. Pop is the lead. Yes, my pop people, I'm not one of you. I, I like to say soda, because no matter where you go in the world, they understand what it, what it means. They don't look at you like you're crazy. But pop, we are in a pop area. This is the pop, yes. This is the pop area, clearly. Soda pop, 1% actually calls it soda pop. Sody water, who calls it sody water? Are you in the room? <laughs> Somebody calls it sody water. This was new to me. There's a, there's a region of Texas that calls it sody water. Uh, Coke calls it 2.9, that's the South people. This always, this always cracks me up, you know, that, down south, they just call it a Coke. Like, like, what do you want to drink? I want a Coke. What kind of Coke? Sprite Coke or Dr. Pepper Coke? What do they say when you want a Coke Coke? Just Coke, Coke, Coke. Tonic. I'm surprised we actually have somebody calling it a tonic. And uh, drink, cold drink. 
uh, that uh, drink is what they call it in uh, like Appalachia. So maybe you're from there if that, was, if that was you. How interesting is it that all those are right answers? But if you're from Indiana, you're probably calling it pop. That's just how it is. It doesn't make it right or wrong. That's just how it is. In Indonesia, you can have a room filled with chairs. People will still prefer to sit on the floor. That's just the way it is. In Indonesia, traffic fines are not paid to the government. They're bribes to an officer. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. The officer says, your fine's going to be $5. And you pay him, and he takes it home. That's just the way it is. In Indonesia, the traffic, like, like to drive, right of way is determined by whoever's more courageous than the other. <laughs> you just go for it. Is that, that's just the way it is. If you're going to be in Indonesia, that's just the way it is. If you're going to live there, you got to get used to it because that's how it is there. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest, longest message. And this is him giving us his kingdom principles. It's a counter-cultural guide to kingdom living. Everything that you think about Christianity might be wrong but if you're going to live like Jesus says, just that's how it is. This is, here's, this is counter-cultural information for you. That's just how it's going to be. The first two weeks, we went over the, beginning, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Then we discovered that the world can't taste and see if we're not salt and light. Then last week, my dad started the heart of the matter, The law, you know, Jesus said, you've heard it was said, blah, 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 but I say to you, your heart matters too. And and last week, all of those those bits were, were about our relationship with other people. And Jesus, in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18, where we're gonna be today, Jesus talks about the heart of the matter in relation to our in in relation to our relationship with God. Uh, So in Matthew 5, he went over murder, adultery, divorce. And now in Matthew 6, he continues his sermon expressing how he's looking at our heart more than anything regarding our relationship with God. God wants us to have relationship with him. Was my mic on? God wants us to have relationship with him. Preach it, Pastor Adam. Yes, he does. Thank you. He wants to have relationship with us. So, so. Like he wants us to love him. He wants to love us. He wants relationship with us. So part of loving God or having a relationship includes obedience, doing what he says. Watch this, John 14. Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Oh, so you're saying I don't love God if I don't do what he says? I guess. I didn't say it. Whoever loves, has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. That's, that's just the way it is. Like, if you're doing what God said, you love him. If you love him, you'll try to do what he said. It's not that hard to conceive. But some people, 
took the obedience and they made that the key, the only key. And they went around keeping the commandments of God on the outside, but they were breaking the heart of the commandments on the inside. But Jesus knew hearts. When you keep the commandments on the outside, when you do all the right stuff on the outside, but you don't also obey the heart of the commandment on the inside, that's called hypocrisy. And Jesus calls it out in his Sermon on the Mount. This is just how it is. This is just how it is. In God's kingdom, this is just how it is. Jesus is looking for integrated people, where your outside and your inside are integrated. That's integrity. When your outside and your inside line up. If they aren't lined up, that's hypocrisy. And the interesting thing, if that's what hypocrisy is, your outside and your inside lining up, I can't say you're a hypocrite. I might have a sign that you're a hypocrite, but only you know if you are a hypocrite because only you know what's on the inside of you. Does your inside line up with your outside. We should keep Jesus' commands. Why? It matters. Why we keep Jesus' commands matter. We need to keep Jesus' commands because we love him. The person who has the commands and obeys them is the one that loves God. If you love God, you're going to obey his commands. And that's what Jesus was getting at in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Notice, like, like you could take that scripture out of context if you just stopped too, too quick. Can you imagine what it would be like if I said, be careful not to practice your righteousness? Oh, no. <laughs> that's not what it says. We should practice Righteousness. And if you stop too early, be careful to practice your righteousness in front of others. Well, well, I won't let anybody see my righteousness. No, 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 no. That's not what that verse says either. Just Just go up a little bit. And he said you should be salt and light to the world around you. People should see your righteousness. But it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. This passage is about motive. Here's the big idea. Here's the big idea for today. Moral moves matter, but motivation matters more. Moral moves matter. Doing the right thing matters, but doing it for the right reason matters even more. Jesus says, I'm looking at your heart. And here in the next 18 verses, Jesus gives specific examples of righteous behavior towards relationship with God. And he tells us that our motivation matters more than just doing the thing. And his, his three specific examples he gives are, are giving, prayer, and fasting. But let's not get caught up in giving, prayer, and fasting. Don't caught up in those specific examples. I think righteous living fits into that. He's giving three examples of things that righteous people did. And and there's a lot of other examples of things that righteous people today do as well. And and we can get something out of this. The first one here we're going to look at is in verse 2. If you got your Bibles, you can turn or tap Matthew 6, verse 2. Jesus preaches and he says, 
So when you give to the needy, assumed that you give, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the, on the streets. Can you imagine like bringing your offering to the box in the back and like you're coming with your offering and you're like, <clears throat> can you do a little fanfare? And somebody's like, and you just kind of wave your offering envelope and put it in. That's the kind of thing they were doing. Don't announce it. Where am I? Don't, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. So they were giving to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Here's number one. Moral living will always impress someone. Moral living will always impress someone. The overall tenor here is not don't be seen giving. It's saying don't give to be seen. This is about motivation. There's a difference between being seen giving. Like my kids know that their parents give. I want you to know. I'll tell you, I give. I give. I obey the scripture. I'll be a model. It's okay to be seen giving, but you don't give to be seen. You get the difference? You get the difference? If nobody ever sees a role model demonstrate godliness, like, like we're not doing discipleship the way Jesus taught us to do it. In fact, when you give with the right attitude, that's what makes Jesus happy. Second Corinthians says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give reluctantly, that speaks to motivation. Or under compulsion, that speaks to motivation. But God loves, he's happy with the cheerful giver. Speaks to the motivation. God is after our heart. Not our money, our heart. And here we are seeing this in, in this message. Jesus was going right after the Pharisees. He wasn't backing down. He was going right after them. Because, because the Pharisees... Uh, by the way, Pharisees, alive and well. The spirit of Pharisees are alive and well in the church today. The Pharisees were doing moral acts. They had this good stuff that they were doing. They were doing, they were the good guys. But Jesus knew their hearts. They were not integrated. They had wrong motivation to their moral living. And he was not happy with their giving because they gave with a pretense. Think just for a moment about the moral things you do. Do you do them with a pretense? Or do they come from a pure heart? Who are we trying to impress by our moral living? Someone will always be impressed. Someone. It's either people or God. I can make sure that my wife knows how faithful I am. And she can be so impressed with my faithfulness. But that don't mean squat. I want God to be impressed with my faithfulness. Because I could be faithful on the outside and not on the inside. I want to be, I want, 2 Timothy 2.10, do your best to present yourself to God. Who, are you, who do you present yourself to? God, I pray that we be people 
that are fully surrendered and transparent before you, that we don't be a people that try to hide anything from you. How foolish are we to think that we can, we can just keep right on living and hide things from you, Lord. I pray we be people that, that are fully surrendered to you and we work hard to present ourselves to you as your holy people. Amen. And according to the scripture, when you, when you have the right, when you live holy with the right motivation, God's happy. You're going to impress somebody. Might as well be God. Here's number two. Here's number two. Righteous routine isn't a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Righteous routine is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Watch how Jesus is interested in relationship here. Uh, Verses six through eight. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your what? Father. Pray to your Father. Pray to that word that was used there. Um, Could be translated like daddy, like there's a relationship. Pray to your Father. Where was I? Who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. And he goes on and he gives us a, he he teaches us the priorities of relationship in our prayer. We got to know who God is. We got to know where he is and where we are. And he teaches us to keep him first and relationship first in our prayers. Jesus gives some specific teaching about praying here, but it's in the context of the overarching theme of the Sermon on the Mount. Your outside needs to match your inside. So we pray to our Father. Don't babble. Don't keep right on repeating and repeating over and over. Like the pagans would. The pagans in those days would, they had so many gods that they would pray and they would just start listing the names of God. Oh, we pray, we ask you to help us. Whatever their gods' names were. It wasn't. They just would read the names of their gods, hoping that they would say the one that would actually help them. They're just hoping to get to the one that would, maybe this one's going to help me today. Just babbling. Babbling is not repeating or praying the same thing. You can continue to pray the same thing. Luke 18 tells us that we should always pray and never give up. So you, you should repeat your prayers. But. Uh, Luke, uh, babbling is just speaking for routine's sake. It's just repeating the words. This might be you. It was my son the other day. We were laying in bed, and I said, okay, son, pray. And he says, okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> he was just saying the words in that moment. He caught himself, and then he, he said a prayer out of his heart after that. But at that moment, he was just, just may, maybe you do it the other way. It's time to pray at the meal, and you say, now I lay me down to It's just, babbling is just praying the words. The words don't bring you into a relationship with Jesus. It's not words, it's your heart. How ironic is it 
that in the context of, I want to see your heart. I want you to have a relationship with me. Don't just, don't think you got a relationship just by saying the right prayer. And then he teaches us the Lord's Prayer to model, model to us the, the, um, the relationship that we should be having with him. Yet that's the very thing that so many Christians, if we're not careful, can turn into mindless, uh, a, a mindless mechanism to create a relationship with God. The Lord's Prayer, those words alone, mindlessly said, do not help your relationship with God. It's a great prayer. It was God's prayer. But mindlessly said doesn't help your relationship with God. You can say the words that Jesus said absent from any sort of relationship with him. Don't be mindless in your prayers. Your righteous routine is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. When I... When I go up to a soda, mach- soda machine, <laughs> pop machine, whatever you want to call it, when I go to a soda machine, a soda water machine, I, I put, my, I put my, my, my dollar in, I put my coins in, and I push a button, I expect something to happen. I want it coming out. Chum, chum. If it doesn't, I'm going to give it a little shake. I'm going to hit the button a few more times. Because I, I expect a result when I push my button. That was easy. For the people online, it worked. That was easy. Thank you to my brother who has the easy button. Staples, if you happen to see this, please don't sue us. I wonder if if we view our righteous routines as button pushing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I, I gave him the offering. Bless me, God. Like, like I gave him the offering. I shouldn't have problems at work now. I gave, I gave him the offering. Or I showed up at church. I did, I did my, I did, that's what I do every Sunday. Show up at church. I wish it would shut up now. I just, I showed up at church. Now, now all the blessings going to come to me. Or read my Bible. Read my Bible. Everything's going to go good now, right? I prayed. Now bless me. I did it. Bless me now. It should be easy. I want an easy path now. It says it's easy. Why don't you make my path easy now? It's not how it works, church. Righteous routine is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Did you get married and expect every day to be easy? (laughs) And we are in a relationship with God. Don't expect every day to be easy. In fact, expect it different. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So when you find yourself in a hardship and you say, that's not easy, maybe your heart was a little wrong. Maybe you weren't integrated. Maybe you were doing your routine, your righteous routine, forgetting that it was about a relationship with God. I hope you're not pushing a button or checking off your righteous routines. The routines I hope you have, reading your Bible, praying, 
journaling. It's an invitation to mindfully step into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Don't just push your button and check off your duty to God. It's not how it works. The words of the Our Father prayer don't give you a relationship with Jesus. Jesus does. Checking something off your list but ignoring the person of Jesus does not help you in your relationship with God. In fact, that's hypocrisy. That's your inside not matching your outside. I'm not telling you to stop reading the Bible or praying. I'm just, I'm just arguing that we should keep our spirit in gear when we're doing it. Yes. Yes. I, I have to read my Bible. No, you get to. You get to read your Bible. You, you get to hear from God. Yes. I, oh, I, 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 have to pray. I haven't prayed yet today, so I'm, I'm going I'm to have to do that. You don't have to do that. You get to. The creator of the universe wants to talk to you. And wants to hear you? Don't just go around pushing your button. Righteous routine is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. God's moral expectations of us are indeed demanding. But they're not burdensome. One of my greatest, example, my greatest uh, examples I've heard of this idea is, is in fasting. I was taught, um, you know, if you're doing like a three-week fast, that's a long fast. And the, and the guy was, was, was teaching us, he said, so, so you're doing a three-week fast and you're driving and you see a McDonald's and you, you, you just mess up and go in? You don't have to start your three weeks over. You'll never stop. <laughs> you'll never, <laughs> that's what he said. You'll, you'll just never be done with a three-week fast. You'll never succeed. Just hit the delete key. If you miss, if you miss your righteous routine, it's about relationship, right? Hit the delete key and go on. If you think... Like, like, like if, you, if you see it as duty only and not about relationship, then if you miss a day reading your Bible, the next day, oh, I have to read double and that's too much. I, oh, I just can't, I can't. I don't have enough time to do double today. Well, what's going to happen on day three? My gosh, you're going to go a week and like, yeah. And you'll, you'll just hit the delete key. Go tomorrow. Just, just. Start now, because this is about relationship. I don't have a perfect relationship with my wife. What? It's not perfect. It's good. But there's some days I speak harsher than I should. And there's some days where, where, where things aren't perfect. I don't double up the next day. I just say, I'm sorry, and I go. I'm sorry, and I start over. I just keep right on going. That's how our relationship with God can work as well. We just go for it. Just go for it. It's about a relationship with him. Here's number three. Righteous abstaining is not punishment. It's an opportunity to partner with Jesus. Righteous abstaining is not punishment. It's an opportunity to partner with Jesus. In verse 16, Jesus teaches, he says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their face to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, this is not saying don't let anybody know you're fasting. It's saying don't fast to let other people know. Don't, don't fast so that others can know your hot stuff. 
fact, I, uh, I'll just confess right now, I fast every single day between about 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. every day. Very good at it. How holy am I? I'm kidding. <laughs> the specific example Jesus gives us here is fasting, refraining from food for a longer than normal period of time. It means not eating. And when you fast, you're, you're freeing up some time to pursue God, and you're disciplining your body, and your spirit will hear louder, will hear more carefully. And that's not the only time righteous abstaining was used in the Bible to, uh, to, to receive more from God. In fact, in Numbers chapter 6, there was this special Nazarite, not, not Nazarene, but Nazarite vow that God established. He says, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. So far, it's like, okay, you're, you're going to have no alcohol. I got it. Now, listen, listen to this. And must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. Oh, so nothing even connected to wine. Okay. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. You're getting a little ridiculous now, God. As long as they remain under the Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even a seed or the skin. It wasn't just the wine. It was anything associated with it. Even the grapes, even the skin. Sometimes... We can give up the good, sometimes for a season, just because it's not God. I'm happy to give up the good for more of God. It's not a curse. It's not a punishment. It's not punitive. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. It's an invitation to deeper relationship with our king. I gave up a lot of things when I got married. and I don't regret a single one of them. I have a whole lot more blessings with them. Maybe a moral move for you includes stopping something. Maybe you need to stop a, a straight-up sin. Maybe you need to abstain from something good because you're misusing it, like social media or just that dumb game on your phone. Maybe you need to abstain from something because you're trying to get from it what you can only really get from God. Your motive matters. Let's take alcohol for an, for an example. Are you trying to find some sort of tension reliever? Do you know what another word for tension release could be? Peace. If you need peace, Jesus is called the prince of it. All you got to do is ask him. Don't try to get from something else what you can only get from God. Jesus is the prince of peace. He can give you the peace that you're after. Or maybe you're, you're into the gummies you get from Michigan. You're trying to put a Band-Aid over something. You're trying to put a Band-Aid over something that you can only... That, that, maybe God actually wants you to resolve that issue. You're just trying to make it disappear. Go deeper with him. It's not a punishment. It's not a punishment to give up something. Boy, is it a blessing. 
I've never fasted and regretted it. I've always fasted and been hungry. But I've never fasted and regretted it. Ever. It's not punitive. God's not keeping you from something. You're keeping yourself from something when something gets in front of your view of God. It's keeping you held back. Can we all stand together? I hope this scripture in Hebrews 10.22 can be our prayer today. Let us draw near to God. I hope we can draw near to God today. Actually pursue him with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, having our hearts clean and our outside clean, the inside and the outside. When we can align the inside and the outside, our motivation and our action, when those can be aligned and we can be clean on the inside and outside, we draw near to God. We draw near to him. And that's what we need, relationship with Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is about a relationship with God. So let's reject apathy and run straight to him today. He's what we need. He's what we need. Let's pray. Lord, you are what we need and we surrender all to you today. Lord, we love you. We surrender all to you. Hallelujah.